Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Good morning, everybody. There's lights and there's all your faces. Wow, it is packed house in here this morning. Look around. Look at how many people are here. This is incredible. Well, good morning. My name's Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here at Simple Church. First, let me just say that if you are a guest here with us today, you are so welcome. We are so glad that you're here. Can we show some love to our first-time guests this morning? Yeah. We are so glad that you guys have chosen to be with us this Sunday morning. Thanks for joining us. Today is Baptism Sunday, and uh, directly after service, before I jump into what we're going to talk about today, directly after service today, uh, as Tim mentioned before, we will be doing baptisms right here. You're invited to stay and to join us uh, in that uh, act of worship and celebration. It'll be a great time, Uh, and uh, and again, that'll be directly after service. For those of you that are, are getting baptized today, here's what I'd like you to do. At some point in time during the message, I'm going to look up and say, those that are getting baptized, you're dismissed. <laughs> It'll be real, like, informal. Like, you just head straight out that door, and Ryan will meet you, show you where you can get prepped, and, uh, and get ready to change your clothes if you need to, uh, and, uh, and he'll get you ready for us. Okay? Amen. Awesome. All right, so we are going to, what we're doing today is we are diving into a brand new series called Heroes. Bum, bada, bum. Look at this staging. Doesn't it just look incredible? They came in and ripped everything apart. Yeah. Derek and his team of people, this is, uh, this is incredible. I got to be one of the spray painters on some of that stuff. It was fun. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm so, so excited to be a part of a church that's, that's doing this kind of stuff. But we are launching a brand new series today. It's a great day to jump in here at Simple Church if it's your first time because we're starting this new series. I'm going to let you know what it's all about, what you can expect as we're going to talk through it. We're going to go through this next seven weeks. It's called Heroes, God of the Underdogs. And really, I think this particular series as you'll hear later on today, is one of our greatest opportunities as a church for outreach. What is outreach? Well, it means to be a church that is outwardly focused. We're not focused on ourselves and on this club and what we're doing here. We're, we're reaching out and finding new people because if you look around this room, there are empty seats, and that means there are more people that could be here during this service this morning. And so I think this series will be a great opportunity to reach out. Let me tell you a little bit about it. What it is, is is that as we read through the Bible, and in particular we're looking through the Old Testament, we find that every hero that God put his hand on and and made a hero of faith during that time was somebody that was considered an underdog. There was somebody that was counted out, counted as a loser, said had excuses as to why they couldn't do anything great, and yet God used them to do incredible things. And so we're going to be cruising through some of the Old Testament, and we're going to look at six individual underdogs uh, that that became famous uh, from the Old Testament. We're going to look at King David. We'll look at Moses, Gideon, Jacob, Esther, and this last guy. I am convinced his parents hated him because they named him Mephibosheth. That's right. (laughs) So we're going to talk about these guys, and uh, and look through their stories over the next six weeks. Today, though, we're going to talk about stories. 
Because Jesus used stories to teach something, right? It was often in the Bible called parables. And he understood that a story could communicate things in a way that just teaching could not, right? Like if I give you five points in a poem, you might understand those five points. But if I told a story that wove those points in, oh, man, that would, that would change your life. Because stories have the, the ability and the power to impact us in deeper ways, to touch our hearts. And Jesus knew that. In fact, one of my favorite communicators, John Maxwell, says that when you've stopped telling stories, you've stopped communicating. And so I think this, they're just really powerful powerful thing to tell us stories. We all have a story of how Jesus has touched our lives and impacted us. And our story, whether you know this or not, your story has power. The Bible says in Revelations that they overcame him, they talking about us, and the him that they're referring to here is the enemy, the devil, our adversary. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb is simply Jesus' sacrifice that he made on the cross for us. And the word of their testimony. What's your testimony? Well, that's kind of a churchy word, but it's your story, right? You log on to a business's website and there's testimonials, right? It's their experience with that business. So it's your story. And your story, combined with the sacrifice that Jesus made, has the power to not only help keep you on a right path, but to impact other people's lives. It has power to help others overcome as well. Why? Because it inspires people. It shows them, it gives them hope that something can be different in their life than what they're currently experiencing. It gives them belief that they too can accomplish great things and opens up possibilities to them. That's why it's important for us to share our story. Now this weekend we're going to be looking at a a particular story and a parable that Jesus uh, told uh, to communicate God's passion and his love for the lost and hurting and broken in our world. And uh, let me set the scene for you. Jesus is having lunch with a prominent Pharisee. Now, if you don't know what Pharisees are, Pharisees are the equivalent to our senators nowadays, okay? And Jesus is... well, he, it, it is because the Pharisees at that time, they were religious leaders. And though, so historically, during this time period, the Romans had uh, their Roman Empire, and it was established over Israel. So they were oppressing Israel. But they were smart enough to let them have their religion, which affected their laws. And they said, you know what? We've got our laws, and you abide by those, but we'll also allow you to execute your Jewish laws. And so the Jewish leaders, or the the Pharisees, the religious leaders, were the executors of the Jewish law. And so Jesus was sitting with a modern-day senator, somebody from the House of Representatives, somebody that made decisions for the city and for the area. This is who Jesus is having lunch with. And not just anyone, a prominent Pharisee, is what the Bible says. And Jesus, I, I love reading Jesus because Jesus just has a way with people, especially when it came to religious people. He just liked to tick them off, right? He did everything he could to ruffle their feathers and make them upset. And so when you read this particular passage up to the point where we're going to be, Jesus is just being Jesus, ruffling feathers. The first thing he does is he heals a guy on the Sabbath, okay? There's a guy that's got some some swelling issues and Jesus heals him. Why is this important? Isn't healing a good thing? Yes, it is. But the Jews are really intense about the Sabbath. See, they they don't want to do anything because they believe if you did anything on the Sabbath, it was considered work. And any kind of work on the Sabbath would oppose yourself to God and you would offend him and you would be like, 
you were going to die. You know what I'm saying? So they, so they just avoided that. They didn't do any kind of work. In fact, they still do that to this day. I was in uh, New York. I had done a wedding there, and I was flying back. I was sitting in the airport terminal, and this Jewish guy, he's like one of those. He's a, he's a rabbi, actually. So he's like wearing the yarmulke, and he's got the little curly things and the beard and all that. And, uh, and he comes running down the, down the terminal because he's running late. He wasn't allowed to... Uh, part of the Sabbath is what kept him from being there. He wasn't allowed to call a taxi driver. He wasn't allowed to get there on time. Now, he made it in time for the flight, but as he gets there, he quickly goes, because it's it's probably 7 o'clock at night now, and he plugs in his phone, and he looks at me, and he says, hey, can I borrow your phone? I need to call my wife. Sure. So I hand him my iPhone, and he calls his wife and proceeds to have a 10-minute conversation with his wife. And then he hands the phone back to me and explains, my phone's dead, I forgot to plug it in yesterday, it was the Sabbath, I wasn't able to plug my phone in today, and so it died. Okay, you get it, they're really intense about this not doing any work on the Sabbath. In fact, I was just listening to a podcast this past week about a guy who traveled around and was studying prayer, and he went to Israel, and they, some Jews had accepted him in for one of their festivals, and they brought him in. It was the Sabbath day, and so everything that they needed to eat that day was prepared. Every place in their house that they needed to go was prepared for them. Doors are open, lights are on, and uh, he was kind of chuckling at the end of the podcast because as he left the restroom that day, he turned the light off and walked out. And see, they can't turn the light on, so the rest of them were stuck in the dark for the rest of the day. But the, the point is, why I tell you all this, is this is a serious offense. Jesus healing somebody on the Sabbath was considered work. And so this prominent Pharisee, this, these people that are there with him, are upset because he's healed somebody. He's ruffling feathers. He started. The second thing Jesus does is he's sitting and having lunch with them. He looks around at the people who have chosen where to sit. He starts criticizing the seating arrangement. You can read all about it. You can go back and read it. The third thing he does is he criticizes them where he looks at who was actually invited to the party. Who was invited to be at lunch that day and points at who should have been there and why these guys shouldn't have been there. And so everybody at the table is offended. And so I don't know if you've ever been at a dinner table where you are like somebody has said something and the room has gone silent, right? Everybody is offended and you don't even know what to do because you're about to have this dude. I'm about to lay you out. You know what I mean? You are restraining yourself. But it's quiet. And somebody decides to respond to this point or respond this way. Luke 14 Uh, We'll pick up at verse 15. We'll go through 23. By the way, if you need a Bible today, we would love to give you a Bible. We believe that it is life-changing for you. It is transformational. And if you don't own a Bible, we want to bless you with one. So if you just shoot your hand in the air, my service host will get you a Bible that you can take home and keep. But the verses will also be up on the screen. So we'll be in Luke 14. This is how this guy responds to that tension-filled room. All right. He speaks up, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Change the subject. He doesn't want to talk about the things that everybody's got their feathers all ruffled about. And what this does is it launches Jesus into story mode. He takes an opportunity. The subject's been changed. All right, you want to talk about the feast? Let's talk about the feast. And he begins to tell a story. It goes like this. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. So there's this big party and there's an even bigger guest list. And it says, at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Apparently on the invitations that were sent out for this big party, they didn't say, 
be here on such and such date at such and such time, which is understandable, right? Because during that time, you, you didn't really have watches. <laughs> Everybody's just kind of like, is the sun in the right place? Am I supposed to be there at this time? Like, they didn't know when they needed to be places. And so they would send out a save the date kind of thing. And then on the day of the festival, when everything was ready, they would send out the servant and remind everybody, come on, come now. So this is what's happening. The verse continues, it says, but they all began to make excuses. The verse said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Seems, seems legit, right? And another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. Now when you look across these particular people that are now excusing themselves from the party, you'll notice something about them. These are not broken, hurting people, are they? This guy just bought a field. That means he's got some money. He's got a career. He's got opportunity. He's got a plan. He's just bought a field, and he needs to go to see it. He probably has been invited to many parties and doesn't really feel the need to be at this particular one. The second person said, well, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. What we know about that time is that if you had animals like that, that was a representation of wealth. And so he's got five yoke of oxen, and he says, I need to go try them out, which means he's got land that he needs to plow, right? So this guy's a, a business guy. He's not hurting. He's not broken. He's living his life. Once again, probably gets invited to all kinds of parties. The third just had a party because he just got married, and there was a big festival. He's partied out. But he just got married. He's probably settling down in his new house with his wife. They possibly have kids on the way. There's all kinds of things to sort out. But this guy is saying, I've got an excuse. It's amazing to me how people hold on to their excuses, though. They've always got a reason why they can't do something, especially something like a, like a party where there's a benefit. And I, I think we hold on to our excuses, too. I think there's reasons why. If you haven't entered into a relationship with Christ, there's always reasons why. And it's amazing what all those reasons are. Some of them are small. Some of them are big. Some of them are hurtful. Some of them are things I can't quite figure out, and I would help love to help people resolve, but what we hold on to our excuses as to why we can't come to the party that Jesus has invited us to. It goes on and says, the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant. Let me ask you something. It just said that he got angry, but, but think about the kind of anger that's on display here. You ever put together a party? put together a big event, you know, like you book the caterers or maybe you cook the food and you put out the invitations and, and you have a magician come in at five and you've got balloon art, artists and, and, and face painting and jugglers. Like you've got a big party. Everybody's going to have a great time. Bounce house. This is going to be the thing that everybody needs to come to. And you're going to give everybody gifts when they come. Like you are ready, right, for your guests. And then you get like a really wimpy turnout or nobody shows up. How does that make you feel? If you've never had it happen to you, you're lucky. Why don't you try to imagine, like the rest of us that have had it happen, what that would feel like. You'd be a little sad, wouldn't you? Be a little disappointed. You might even be a little angry, but not really angry at them, more angry with them. Does that make sense? One is, one is a place of hatred. The other is a, is a place of love. Like, are you kidding me right now? Do you know what you're missing? Do you know what you've just done? It's like... Like Lloyd Christmas said to Harry Dunn and, and Dumb and Dumber when, he, when, they were, when the bus, when, he, when, when Harry sends him, Harry, do you realize what you've done? And he goes and gets the bus and says, the town is back that way. Do you guys not know this movie? First service they had it. All right, cool. 
it's not a point of anger. It was like, oh, no, 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 no. You've made a mistake. Let me fix it. You know, let me help you. Don't you realize what you've done? And so the master is upset. He's like, don't you guys realize what you're missing? Don't you know how much I want to lavish on you? And I think that this is not anger that's on display. It's, it's, it's love. It's God's love on display for lost people, for people in general. John 3, 16, that's the verse everybody knows. It says, for God so loved the world. That's us. Now, that little, world, that little word, so, is really important because it makes something, God loved the world. When you put so loved the world, it makes it so much bigger, right? It's two letters, but it's huge. It's right, how big is God's love for you? It's so big, right? Oh, none of you have kids. That's cool. <laughs> but that's, that's God's love for you. That's what it is. It's so big. And so look what, look what God says to his servant to do when nobody's showing up to the party. He's angry. He says, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. So the guy in the story, we understand that is throwing the party is God. And he says, with all these people, with all their excuses for whatever it is, they're not the hurting, they're not the broken, they're not the lame, they're not the blind, they're not the crippled. They're the ones that are doing well. Go out and get the lame, the blind, the crippled, the broken. Go get them and bring them into my party because I'm going to throw a party and all those people with their excuses can hold on to them, but I'm going to have a festival right here. And I'm going to bless the people that are going to come to my party. And so God invites, I, I think, four distinct people group that I think we need to look at. I think they're important. Again, that's, that's the ones Jesus mentioned, the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And I believe these people are types or pictures of the kind of people that God desires us as a church, as individuals, to be reaching out towards on a regular basis. I think that's what we're supposed to learn from this. The first person is the poor. Well, who's the poor? It's the people that have been broken or been cheated by this world. They've been robbed of their joy, robbed of their innocence, and they've been broken. Life has handled them a plate of steaming, you know. It's, they, they have not necessarily made poor decisions. They were born into different circumstances. They've encountered something in their life that was not fair, and they've been cheated. They've been robbed. And these are the kind of people that I believe we need to be reaching out to. Because when they've been cheated, their joy is gone. And they need to understand what that is once again. I believe in the power of story. And so I've asked one of my friends who I believe was cheated to come and share her story. Would you please welcome Amy to the stage with me today? Hi, Amy. Amy is a mad scientist at AEP. She has two kids, lives here in Reynoldsburg, and, oh, she grew up on a farm and likes to eat very unique things. In fact, they had something very unique last night that I will not speak about. You can ask Amy about that after service. Amy, thanks for joining me up here today. I appreciate it. Um, tell, me, tell me a little about just, like, uh, how did you learn about Simple Church? Let's start there. Okay, um, Tim was surfing Facebook one day, and one of our friends had liked this new upcoming church plant named Simple Church. This was months and months before you guys launched, and we got so excited, and not because we had any interest in Simple Church whatsoever, but because we had a garage full of church supplies, 100 chairs and things that we had um, left over after the church we helped plant a few years before that closed. 
So we thought, oh, new church coming up. We can make a gift of these things, and we can park our car in our garage again. Woohoo! <laughs> That's a true story. And I showed up. I came over, and, and Tim was hoping I would take tables and chairs, and all I took was the coffee pot and the offering envelopes. That was it. So uh, anyway, <laughs> it was great. Well, tell me, tell me, so you mentioned the church closing. Tell, tell me, what was life like? You were a Christian. You were a pastor's wife. Tell me what was life like uh, before coming to Simple Church, all, all that transition for you. Yeah, that, that was uh, a very deep valley for us. Um, a very dark time where we were grieving a, a huge loss. We had invested so much of ourselves. Uh, us and another couple planted this church that lasted for several years, and um, I was a mission director there. Ultimately, Tim ended up being the senior pastor there, and um, we had per- we found purpose there. You know, we did work that matters. It's, it's high highs, it's low lows, but we had a we took a lot of joy from there, and then it was gone. So um, a church is can become kind of like your kid with how much you invest in it and love it and love the people there. And, um, and so we didn't have much interest in church or anything anymore after that. Um, after, after your kid is gone, you don't go shopping around to find a replacement kid very easily, right? You just feel like you, don't, you just don't want to go there. So we were very disconnected, had no desire to connect with people whatsoever. Um, we went to church anyway because we had our first foster kid placement and we had our own kids. They need to be in church, so we just went to church and we hid in a friend's church out in Canal Winchester where nobody knew us. We didn't have to talk to anybody and we could just do church on Sundays. And, um, and at that same time, I got some pretty scary health news and wasn't sure how long I was going to be around at that, right at that same time, just another log on the fire. And um, that worked out. That's okay. It's good. <laughs> Um, but anyway, it just was, was so much at once, and uh, just kind of, we lost our purpose, our feel, feeling of value. And it wasn't individual choices you made. This is, just, this is just what happened. You were just handed a lot of choices, a lot of difficult choices that had to be made. And, and, and what happened after that? What, what, where were you at? Well, um, Tim and Aaron had struck up a friendship, and... Um, and we knew what church planning was like, and so when you had your actual official launch, we thought, well, we're going to go and take care of the kids, so that all these dear people that have invested so much in this church launching don't have to go in the back and take care of kids. They can be out front to enjoy that. And, um, and you know, people talked to us some, but we just really didn't care to talk much back. And <laughs> we ended up starting to go to Simple Church um, only because it was close and the services were short. So, you know, and it was early. I distinctly early. remember that. Yeah. You know, was, what more yeah. could you possibly be looking for in a church, right? So, um. <laughs> yes, he told me, Tim told me that. It's early, it's short, it's close. That's why I'm coming to Simple Church. Okay. <laughs> so we just stuck in the back, you know, didn't, didn't talk to anybody. We're pretty prickly. Um, but there were a couple of things about Simple Church that God used to start gradually shining light into our hearts again and uh and turning us around and and back turning our hearts back toward him and the first was that it was so evident even from the back of the room that simple church was on mission that they had a purpose from god they were listening to him they had a heart for lost people for reaching the community that god was here in this body so why go to any place else right so that was the first thing and then the second thing was the people that God put here. He really used the people here to show us 
Jesus's love again. You know, they loved on us, and that was Jesus to us. So um, Aaron and Shannon knew our story. They knew what we'd been through. They were young, optimistic church planners, and we were grumpy, old, pessimistic church planners, and um, they loved us anyway and were patient with us and didn't push us, you know. They just uh, just loved us where we were at, you know. And, um, and, and then April Reed, I remember dropping off the kids every Sunday, and she would talk to us every Sunday, and, you know, she didn't go deep into the valley with us. She just talked to us about her week. And next week, wow, she remembered that Odessa had a parent-teacher's conference. How did that go? And, or that I had a doctor's appointment. How did that go? You know, that just showed, showed Jesus' love to me. April cared about me, you know. Um, Tim and I used to hang out at the grill with Josh Spicer at various social events, I remember, back then when we weren't talking to anybody else. And, and he would just talk to us and chat and love on us. And, um, and Derek and Kyle used to come and, and seek us out to talk to us and Kyle used to pray for me in the back of Cotner's, and, and it was just such a huge encouragement. It just really, she was walking beside me through these valleys and lifting me up to God, and it, it was beautiful. And it, So it was really those two things um, that God used to, 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 change, to change us, to bring us back to where we could be the shiny. Yeah, what's it like now? What's, what's life like now? Uh, we have our joy again. We're, we have our purpose. We're on mission with God through Simple Church. Um, you, you know, our hearts aren't broken anymore. Our, uh, God, God used you guys to heal our hearts. And, uh, and so we get to do something that matters again. And, and, uh, and just we love to connect people. And, and Simple Church has given us the opportunity to share Jesus' love again. That's awesome. Thank you, Amy. Thank you so much. There are tons of people like Amy in this world that have just been cheated, that have been robbed. Their joy's gone. Their life experiences have broken them. Whether they know Christ or not, Amy's fortunate that she was in a relationship with Christ before and he sustained her through it, but there are so many people that endure those things that, that don't have Christ. They're robbed, and they need to know him. It's our mission as a church to go out and find them. When I say as a church, I don't mean the staff members of this church. I don't mean the elders of this church, the board members, the leadership, the worship team. It's our job to find those people. We have to go get them. The second kind of person is the crippled person. These are people that have been broken down by the world. There's somebody that, you know, when you see them, they, they walk with a limp. Now, they, that may mean a physical limp because of health or genetics or what was handed to them through life. But I mean more a emotional limb, a spiritual limb. There is something about them. They have encountered something that has made them live out their life differently. The way they respond to relationships, the way that they, in, they uh, interact with people, the way that they, their career path, all of it is affected by this limb, by what has happened to them in their life. They carry around battle scars. Again, emotionally, mentally, relationally, they limp. And they struggle to move forward in their finances, in their careers, and in all aspects of their lives. They limp. And they need our help. They need our love. And those people have endured much and are struggling or have struggled. Today, I've invited somebody that I know. At one point in her life, she was limping before she came to Christ. And I'd like to invite Sylvia to come and join me on the stage. Show her some love as she comes and joins us this morning. (laughs) 
Sylvia is a retiree. She has moved here from near the D.C. area in Virginia. She has children and grandchildren, and that's how she spends a lot of her time nowadays is taking care of those babies. She's also on my board here at the church, and she's an incredible blessing to us. In fact, Sylvia is oftentimes one of the first people that you meet when you come into Simple Church. My brother, who's, who uh, came here, the first person he saw when he came to church was Sylvia, and he said, she smiled at me and told me she loved me, and he said, I believed her. <laughs> and, uh, and so Sylvia is a blessing to us. Uh, Sylvia, why don't, why don't you tell us, how, how did you learn about Simple Church? Tell me about that. Uh, that's an amazing story. I, um, I had made up my mind with the Holy Spirit helping me that I needed a church after coming here. And with several, it was a good, I'd been here a good little while. And um, I had received a mailing from Simple Church, and all I remember it said was, come as you are, and it said something about love. Well, normally I throw those mailings away, but I didn't with this one. And one particular night, on a Saturday night, I remember um, I was thinking about it. I said, I have to go. I have to go to church. So the Holy Spirit said, find that mailing. So I went and I looked for it everywhere, by my bed, on my nightstand, by my computer, in my, all in my living room, kitchen. I looked all over the house, and I could not find that mailing. So I said, well... I'll go to one of the churches down the street. Well, when I went back to my bed, the mailing was sitting on top of my nightstand. And it was like, okay, thank you, Jesus. I think the message is clear. <clears throat> so anyway, I came to Simple Church. And when I got here, I felt like Jesus had made a mistake, really, because the majority was white, and I was used to being to a black church. And the music was different. Well, when I started really listening and coming back, I, I, I said, okay, Christ, I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going back. And uh, when I came back, I realized it wasn't so much the music as the words mm -hmm. and the message that I received here. And I knew I was in the right place. The people were so great. I mean, spirit-filled, you know what I mean? And, and, it, and it resonated, you know, to everyone and everything. And it made me feel so good. I knew I was in the right place. That's awesome. What, what was your life like before coming to Christ? I know you were a Christian before you came to Reynoldsburg, but, but tell us about you. I was involved in drugs, alcohol, and sex. I, um, if I could be done, I did it. And um, I thought that the people that I was involved with and the things I saw, they were having fun. and You know, they were happy. And I always felt unloved. And um, so I wanted to be like them, and I did everything they did and probably a few extra things. But anyway, eventually, I found out that Christ was in charge. And I did that by going to church, which I didn't go often at first. And when I joined the church in, um, in Maryland, actually, it was um, something, it was, it was just like a change. It was like, wow, God really loves me. And it was, a friend told me that, what were you looking for love for? Christ has always loved you. And uh, when I came to find that out and believe that, my life changed because I know now I, I'm just, I'm loved and, uh, and I'm grateful. That's awesome. So, so you would say that your relationship with Christ, relationship with that church, that body of believers is what brought about change in your life. Yes. What's your life like now? Oh, I have so much peace and I want you to know it's not all the time. Because Satan tries you, he, he challenges you, he 
if he get a, get a moment in, I, I've learned that he will jump right in there. And my relationships with everybody is not perfect. Um, my life is by no means perfect. But I have so much to be grateful for. And when I run into adversity or challenges now, it's different because I don't feel that anxious anger and trying to, I know that I have to get it done. I know I, it's not like that anymore. It's peaceful and it's loving. And I love people and, and, and Christ has shown me how to love them. Yeah. And those smiles that I give you, believe me, is genuine because I was taught that if you can smile at a person today, you might make a change in their life. Absolutely. And Christ helps us to do that. He Absolutely. helps me. Yeah, that's awesome. Would you say that you're, you're not limping anymore? I'm not limping phys I mean, mentally with, with Christ and spiritually, I'm not limping anymore. My body, if, if it was, I, I feel like the limping I'm doing now physically, if it wasn't for it, I may never have found Christ, mm. to tell you the truth. So even then, that, that is a gift. Yes, yeah. it is. That's it's awesome. a gift from That's yeah. awesome. Sylvia, thank you so much for sharing your story today. I appreciate it. Give her some love. There are plenty of people that you know that are just like Sylvia, that are limping through life. They're limping through their relationships. They're looking for the next relationship. They're abusing the relationships. They're broken. They're looking for something. They're looking for Jesus. There's a God-shaped hole in every single one of us. And it's meant for one thing. It's meant for God. So we need to be looking for the people like Sylvia that life has broken them down. The third people group that Jesus mentions in his story is the blind. These are people that would never have a chance to see. They can't find Jesus. They don't know how to find Jesus. And they need someone's help. See, a blind person walks into a room and they have no idea what's in front of them. They don't know what they're going to stumble on, what they're going to trip on. They need somebody to guide them, to take their hand and guide them through and navigate them to where to the safe place wherever they're trying to go. To me, the, the blind represent those that have never accepted Christ. They're just pre-Christian. What we would call the unchurched. People that don't know how to get to Jesus. Don't know if they can even come to church on a Sunday morning because, well, I don't I don't have a card or like do I have to pay to get in or how do I have to dress? I don't have the right clothes. I mean, like, look, when you come here, there is no way that you need to dress, look, or smell. Like, we have a preference on the smell thing, but that's it. You know, it's not like a rule. So, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> My drummer out there just went, <laughs> awesome. But, like, when you, when you come here, you, you come and you, you're not really sure what to do. You come to church and you're not really sure, what does all that mean? You need somebody to guide you. You need somebody to love you. And, and, you know, I talk about this all the time. I say, you know what, there's people in this room that are in different places in their spiritual journey. We're not all in the same place. Some of you are in this room right now. I'm talking to you. You're in this room right now and you have not accepted Christ as your Lord. You're not living as a follower of Jesus. You come to church on Sunday because this is where you got to be, or this is what you think is the right thing to do, but you're, you're not a follower yet. You're not a believer. You're not sure, and that's okay. You're welcome here. We would rather you be here than any other place on a Sunday morning. Amen? And so I, I believe these are the blind. These are the people. They have no idea how to navigate. 
I've asked one of my friends to come today, and he gave his heart to Christ in this church. And so would you please show some love as Jason Woodland joins me on the stage. Jason lives here in Reynoldsburg. He's from Grandview. He works as a technician, and he is considering the hobby of working out. I think he's going to start someday soon. I'm not sure. <laughs> but Jason, um, Jason has experienced incredible life change, and, uh, and I'll let him tell you his story here. But Jason, first tell us, let's start at the top. How, how did you hear about Simple Church? Well, I moved to Reynoldsburg because I am a recovering drug addict, and there is a program uh, called Summer Rays that is a sober living community. And one of the requirements on Sundays is you have to go to some kind of church service. So um, Aaron speaks monthly at the service kind of they have at night. But the, the first time I heard about Simple Church, uh, one of my friends named Richard uh, said, uh, we're going to go to Simple Church. And I remember making fun of it at first. I was like, Simple Church. What a stupid name. <laughs> Simple Church. And I said, well, where's Simple Church at? And he's like, oh, it's in uh, Cotner's funeral home. I'm like, and, and I grew up Catholic, so I, I really didn't care about, you know, st it was a stained glass in the pews, and I barely wanted to be there, and I didn't listen to a single thing that happened. So, uh, you know, I went to Cotner's funeral home to, to Simple Church. Let that sink in for a moment, if yes. you will. <laughs> Church and a funeral home. Because that's where I had to be. I have to go somewhere. And so um, I was dragged there and went to the funeral home and kind of sat and, and listened. And, and that's pretty much where I right. got in contact with Simple Church. What was your life like before coming to Simple Church? Even, oh. even after coming for a while, really. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I did the bare minimum. Well, all that, obviously, uh, any aspects of a drug addict's life um, is a very dark, dark world. Um, besides being, you know, li liar, cheat, and a thief through drugs, um, I, I didn't like myself as a person. I was a very hateful person. There was no humility whatsoever. Um, it was all about me. And so I was taking, right when I first came to Simple Church, the same aspect as I took when I was a kid going to um, Catholic Church. I was just going to sit here, get the requirement done, and, and that's it. So what, what brought about change in your life? What happened? I, I, I sat through it. Um, for months. For months. Yeah, for months. You know, I came here, like some of the, some of the there's some raised people in here now. Some people, call, you know, I tried to come a little bit late yeah. so I didn't have to worry about the don't singing Don't have to talk to anybody. Because yeah. when you don't, you know, because when you really haven't really cared, like you just come in late, you kind of sit in the back. You know, I, I, I liked what Aaron had said. Because I'm funny, right? Oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and handsome, but that's neither here nor exactly there. Exactly right. I, I was and looking humble. for the I'm most handsome humble. pastor I could get to, and Simple Church is where it was. <laughs> no, but I, I would just do um, whatever the bare minimum. But here was the thing: as I was sitting there, I was kind of listening, kind of was getting into the music a little bit, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to say anything. And then uh, there was just like, one Sunday. Um, Corey wasn't even with me that. I left here and it just it just hit me like a ton of bricks, and I jumped in my car, and tears started coming down my face. I was like, mm. and it just came more and more and more. And it, but it felt good, and I was like, you had to pull over, didn't pulled you? Pulled over to Arby's. Yeah. You know, did the like, 
But here, what was what I probably mentioned to you the next week, which is like the hardest thing for someone that doesn't want to do anything is, um, does anybody want to say yes to Jesus? And you're like, your arm is a hundred pounds. You're like, and finally that Sunday I, I raised my hand. Yeah. And then I got in contact with Aaron to have coffee later on. Yeah. And it, it just kind of come for there. But um, I remember our first coffee. Uh, he said, hey, listen, I, w- I want to start reading the Bible. I want to be serious about my spiritual journey. He says, I'm Catholic, and we just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What should I be reading? I was like, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's great. <laughs> it's like, oh, yes, done. <laughs> spiritual guidance granted. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, thanks, thanks for the help. I'll just go back to doing what I <laughs> Telling me to do what I already was doing. All right. <laughs> What's life like for you now? Oh, life's amazing. Um, I, I try. The more and more I get connected with um, Christ, the, the the better my life is on all aspects. You know. Uh, I remember first service. You pointed even to some relationships too that have been rela- the relationships here, just in, at Simple Church mm-hmm. in general. Amazing. Um, like Corey and I couldn't go on life normally without Aaron and Shanda trying to be like. This is this because is we're <laughs> they're kind of our, our guidance. Um, well, when it comes to making sure I'm reading correctly, I get texts from Tim and it's like he's like, "Where are you reading right now?" I'm like, that means he's like going to quiz me. <laughs> but no, that's what I need. I need I need to, to stay on the path because the more you're on the path and the relationships that you that you have and grow here, it, it's what's going to um, better your relationship because the, I'm clean and sober not for anybody but God himself through Jesus Christ. And yeah. it's the people that he puts in your life around this and this church in particular that are going to make you succeed. That's and that's why, like, the, the one thing I want to say is the people that were in my position, either if you're from Summer Rays and you're just kind of sitting here because you have to or you're just not in general, like, your first step is just, you know, I know that arm feels 100 pounds, but, I mean, I, I'll do it for you because – this with your arms open, with your eyes open, I, I'm raising my hand right now. Everybody's eyes are closed. No one even cares. They want you to raise your hand. Right. Just raise it. Yeah. And then it, it, it's, right. it's for you, not for him. Yeah. I mean, you know, it makes you feel so much better right then. Yeah. So. That's awesome. Jason, thank you so much for sharing thank your story, you. man. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. I had the honor of baptizing Jason and, uh, and Corey uh, just a month ago as well, and so his spiritual journey with Christ. He's growing and he's following after him. But, but I, I would say Jason's in one of those groups. He's, he's, in, he's in the group of the blind. He didn't know how to do it. He needed people to surround him. And there's been other people, other relationships, not just my wife and I, that have surrounded them and loved them and said, this is, this is how we walk. This is how we, how we follow Christ. It's been that, follow me as I follow Christ. And it's been, it's been pivotal. The last group is the lame the lame. These are people that I would say they need a touch from Jesus. The lame are, are people that, that are so broken by life, so broken by things like divorce, like drug addiction, like death in their families. They're, they are so broken by life that they don't even know where to begin. They don't even know if they can even come to a church, not because of permission, but because they, they're so depressed, they're so broken that they're not even sure they can get out of bed. These people can't come to Jesus on their own because they're so broken. They need friends to say, I know you can't go alone. Let me help you get there. Jesus tells the great 
or there's a great story of one in Luke 5. I'll read it real quick. It says, One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. So here's a dude who's completely paralyzed. He can't walk. He probably can't move. Depends on how the severity of his paralysis. It is possible that he looked like a hot dog on a bun. And he could not stop his friends from carrying them to Jesus. They said, we are taking you. He's paralyzed. And they bring him to Jesus. And when they tried, when they could not find a way to get to Jesus because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Now, don't miss this next line. It's important. It says, when Jesus saw their faith. Not his faith. When Jesus saw their faith, this is a guy that is so broken, he doesn't even know how to get to Jesus. He has no capability on his own to get to Jesus. He needed his friends to pick him up and carry him to Jesus. That's what he needed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he looks at the guy and says, your sins are forgiven. And then he heals him. And God restores people like that. There are people in your life, there are people in your world, whether they are in your immediate world or what I call fringe relationships. They're out on the ends or the edges of your relationships. These are your bankers, your barbers, your hairstylists, your Chipotle workers. They're all these people that you know that you're in relationship with in some way or another. You know there are people that are lame. There are people that are crippled, that are blind, that walk with a limp, and the poor. You know who they are. And it will take you sometimes, as in the story of the lame guy, you need to carry your friends. You need to pick them up and say, we're going to church on Sunday. We're going to get there because they need to literally be forced to come to Jesus. (laughs) They call them a come to Jesus meeting for a reason, guys. Now back to Luke 14. I'm going to button this whole story up. Jesus, the story, the parable that Jesus was telling, he sent out his servant to go get the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant has come back and he says, Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Basically, he's saying, okay, I've invited them, but there's still room at the party. There's still room at the table. In other words, there's people that I've invited, they they may not be coming. I've invited enough, but there's, there's still enough room. Essentially, when we look into our lives, this is like you saying, Aaron, look, I put up a Facebook event. I invited them to them. They even clicked maybe, which is basically saying, like, there's no way I'm coming to your event politely. You know what I mean? That's like, you click maybe. It's either yes or no. I'm attending or I'm not going, right? But you said, or I've sent a text message or I've made the phone call or I've invited them in person once. But, like, this is that, that that's, that's kind of lame because I don't think we get off the hook because we've invited somebody. I don't think we get off the hook because we've asked them once, or maybe we've asked them twice, or we've sent them a very casual conversation. We don't want to be offensive to them and make them sound like they need Jesus when you know that's exactly what they need. And so what do we do? What's our responsibility? Jesus answers in this story. The master then told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come so that my house will be full. God's not accepting this simple invitation. He's commanding and asking us to compel them. Do you know what compel means? It means to oblige somebody, to make 
them do something by force. <laughs> we are called to compel people to come to Jesus. And they can do that right here at Simple Church. They can get into a community of believers. They can learn how to walk with Christ. They have opportunities to begin that relationship with him. Here they have that opportunity to be baptized and follow him in, in this, this prayerful act of obedience. They have that opportunity. And compelling means that we do whatever it is necessary to get people to come. If somebody asks you for a favor, you say, great, I'll do that for you. Come to church with me on Sunday. If maybe you have your own business. You want a 15% discount? I'll give it to you, but you come to church with me on Sunday. I'll mow your grass, but you come to church with me on Sunday. Oh, you want to go out on a date night? Fine, I'll babysit your kids. Come to church with me on Sunday. Look, compelling means using whatever leverage you've got on people. Because let's be honest, they do it to you when they need something, when they believe in something, when they, they're like, man, I'm, I'm really in need, or you got to try this, or this movie was awesome. I'm the same way. I'm the I'm same way with Chipotle. If you want to meet with me and have lunch or dinner with me, do you know where I'm going to tell you we're going? Chipotle. That's fine. I'll meet with you, but we're going to Chipotle. Why? Because my worst day at Chipotle, my worst experience there is still the best day of my life because I'm at Chipotle. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I love Chipotle. When people come into town, I'm like, hey, you had Chipotle yet? No. Oh, Pat, that's where we're going. We're going to Chipotle. We're going. You don't like Mexican? That's cool. We're still going to Chipotle. I'm going to make you like Chipotle. You don't understand. This is not like anything you've ever had. How many of y'all are having Chipotle today? Amen? Oh, bless God. Yep. Ooh. There's a chair there I'm going to trip over. But why do, I, why do I do that? Because I believe in Chipotle. I love Chipotle. And here's the application. I think that when you believe that this community of believers is transformative, that the power of God is here to change lives, that you will begin to compel people to come. You will become creative in your invitations. You will become creative in your leveraging of your relationships with them. And you will no longer invite them. You will drag them to church. What happened? Oh, this month. <laughs> For those of you listening by the podcast, they just put a message on the screen that said, this message is in no way sponsored by Chipotle. You forgot the little asterisk. That would have been perfect. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. They're just all laughing. I have no idea why. Look, God wants his house to be full. There are empty chairs in this place. First service, there are even more. We have extra chairs that we can put out. It is our job to go out and compel people to come, to be a part of what God is doing in our lives and what he can do in their lives. Do you really believe, though? You have to. Demonstration of your belief will be you've brought somebody. So here's what we're going to do. Every week, we give an opportunity to do a reflection moment. It's how we choose to respond to what we've talked about today. Everybody's response is the same. I'm going to invite somebody to church. So who is it? Who will you invite on Sunday morning? I'll even make it easy for you. We have these things called come-as-you-are cards. They look like this. Sylvia talked about it. Our, our mailers look like this. This casual atmosphere, awesome music, relevant teaching, creative kids programs, authentic community, and then it gives them our website. This is an easy thing to do. To give to those people, it breaks the ice. Hey, you know what? Come to church. It gives them the information. Compel them to come. 
And so we're going to pass these out now. He's just going to pass stacks down the aisles. You can take a few. But who are you going to invite? Is it one person? Is it five people? There are those of you who say, I'm not going to invite anybody because I fear rejection. Let me help you with that. The Rainier Group did a study, and they said that 82% of people that are invited to church are likely to come. You have a, a greater success rate available to you. For those of you that are afraid of being rejected, it's not likely. They'll probably come. It may not be this Sunday. It may be next Sunday. It may be 10 weeks from now, but they will come. Will you be so bold? Will you be as so creative as to think, how am I going to leverage my relationships with them? Do you even really believe that the power of God is transformative? Has it transformed your life? If so, then God's no respecter of person. He'll transform someone else's. So this is your I will statement this week. If you want to get your connection card out and write down the names of people that God is laying on your heart right now to invite, we'll pray with you. In fact, tomorrow... I invite you to join me in fasting and prayer. Ooh, that sounds serious. That means no Chipotle tomorrow. That's right. You can fast breakfast. You can fast lunch. You can fast dinner. You can fast the whole day. But to pray and fast and say, Lord, help me have the boldness. Give me the ideas. That give me favor with them when I invite them. You don't need to insult them and say, dude, you messed up. You need to come to church. Like, you don't need to do that. Just invite them. Share your story. Tell about what a difference it's made in your life. And invite them to come. But join me tomorrow in fasting as we pray over these people, over these names, the need to come to church. I'm going to pray for you here in just a moment. And then we're going to baptize some people. If you're getting baptized today, you are dismissed at this time. Head out that door. Ryan will meet you and show you where you need to go. We'll give them just a moment to move to do that. But today you need to decide, I'm inviting somebody. Let's fill God's house. Amen? Let's lead people to Jesus. Let's give them that opportunity. As we close today, every head bowed and every eye closed. There are those of you today that need an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. What does that mean? That means I'm going to ask Jesus to be Lord of my life. God's love is so big and so great for you. That he sent his son to lay down his life so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be what we call born again, have eternal life in heaven with God and heaven here on this earth. That's the opportunity that I'm presenting to you now. You're not going to be perfect when you pray this prayer, but you're going to begin a relationship with one who is. So if that's you, if you're here and you'd say, Aaron, I want to say yes to Jesus. Begin my life with him. I want to begin that conversation. We call it prayer. Would you just shoot your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me. It's like Jason said, I know that, that your arm is 100 pounds right now. But this is your moment. Just shoot it high in the air so that I know that you're here today. I appreciate that honesty. Thank you. I'm going to give you the words to say. And I would ask that everybody in this room say them, whether in your heart or out loud. You say, Aaron, I don't really believe it yet. That's okay. You can practice for the day that you do. The prayer is simple. It says, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you came and died 
and rose again from the dead so that I could be transformed, forgiven. Lord, transform me. Give me your Holy Spirit and show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing just that. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I pray for every person in this room, every name that has been written down, every name that has been laid upon these people's hearts. God, I pray and I ask for your power to begin to move in their lives and their hearts now. Lord, so that when we come to them, we may come boldly and invite them and compel them to come. Lord, that you would give us creative ideas to leverage our relationships so that we can force them to come. (laughs) And God, I pray that when they come, their hearts would be open to receiving your love for them and that they would be changed. Lord, we can ask for nothing greater than that. We thank you for it and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, I'd invite our offering uh, service hosts to come uh, with the offering buckets and uh, it's our opportunity to give financially. I wanna just update you as they come uh, and they pass the buckets. If you're a guest with us, you're under no obligation to give today.